Apocalypse Rock, Chapter 32, The Cantonment. Doug and Marcus stood in the middle of a small jungle. Cacti and other succulents popped up out of the pebbly ground beneath, and the tropical bushes and palm trees around them rustled in a hot, dry breeze. The deep roar of what sounded to Doug like extractor fans provided a constant background of white noise. They were at the center of a long rectangular temporary structure, covered in a skin of white translucent plastic. The light was flat and murky. The plants had been arranged in neat concentric circles, from the tallest on the perimeter to the smallest as one neared the middle of the garden. At the center was a cluster of bare, nondescript office desks. Out beyond the mass of plants, producing the artificial breeze, were row upon row of blinking, whirring server units set upon countless metal shelves. Excluding the strange tropical plant garden, it seemed to Doug that he'd been dropped into a military telecoms installation. Marcus had produced a tablet with an electronic contract for Doug to sign. She explained that it was a non-disclosure agreement, prohibiting him from telling anyone anything about the cantonment. Doug's confidence had drained away the minute they entered this place. This is our temporary gate to the world until we start building a new one. Marcus looked around them. I know it looks complex. We don't expect you to look at all this stuff. We just want you to check the router connections in here and maybe through the rest of the retreat, just to see if there's any optimization that can happen. I know you don't have much time, but if you just get an overview, and hopefully come back later for a follow-up, that would be so helpful. Doug nodded and put his work bags on one of the desks. I have about an hour, replied Doug, but I'll try and do as much as I can. I'm not sure if I can help. Just knowing you're looking is helpful, replied Marcus. Everyone's so addicted to the internet, and all I hear is groaning about how slow it is for them. Marcus looked at her phone. I need to check in with my colleagues about something else, so I hope it's okay to leave you here for a little while. She held out a small post-it note. This is the central network IP address and password. Please trash it when you're done, okay? Doug nodded. Marcus smiled and then left him standing alone in the middle of the space. Doug connected to the network and began investigating. After a while of poking around and finding nothing wrong with anything, he looked around the space more closely. There were numerous security cameras dotted along the roof. On his walk to the server building with Marcus, Doug had seen cameras installed on every building exterior, and though the retreat seemed completely deserted, only Marcus and Doug among the clusters of low-lying windowless temporary housing units, the proliferation of CCTV made it feel occupied, nervous. It reminded Doug of news photos of refugee camps with their nondescript grid of bland prefabricated buildings caged in behind high walls. The only personal touches Doug had noticed in the retreat were the small handmade signs hanging at the entrance of each structure, words haphazardly painted on scraps of wood. Sustenance thing. Ablutions thing. 
meditation thing. The building Doug was in now was called technology thing. Doug ran tests through the server connections and routers. Everything seemed fine. In fact, the connection seemed faultless to him. At the very least, it was easily capable of streaming high-definition video to tens of thousands of users all at once. Doug ran more tests across the servers and noticed that only half the units out on the floor responded when he eyed them up. He wandered out from the tropical desert garden and through the rows and rows of servers, little black boxes blinking in the half-light. After a couple dozen rows, the small black boxes looked different. Now they were long silver blocks with fans on their ends. Doug noticed the warm breeze had intensified in pressure and heat. It even ruffled his hair. He looked closer at one of the units. Across its chassis was written, Crypto Surge. There were thousands of the units blinking green and blasting out hot air. He looked down the center row to the opposite end of the building and watched the massive extractor fans spin, blowing out against the mountain air. At the end of each row were small identical dashboards. At first, Doug thought they might be controllers for the attached row units. When he looked closer, the only features on the smooth aluminium green plate were two small oblong openings. There was an eye and an eye-eye etched above each opening. Peering into the holes, he could make out a dim, gently pulsing, dirty green glow coming from deep inside. Without properly thinking, Doug reached out with the protruding index finger of his right bandaged hand and slowly put it into the hole. To begin with, just a hair's breadth. Then slowly he pushed up to the first knuckle. There was a high-pitched whir. The eye blinked red. Doug yanked his finger out. He leaned in close to the first hole and peered in. He thought he could see the shape of a small glass cylinder, dimly glowing deep inside the console. There was a shimmer of frozen stars, and then Doug felt a wave of dizziness. He returned to the central cluster of desks in among the succulents and opened his laptop. He googled Crypto Surge. From the search results, Doug gathered that a crypto surge was a cryptocurrency miner. Crypto was something that Doug was only vaguely aware of. The first thing that came to mind was a joke he saw online once, saying it was like if keeping your car idling 24-7 produced solved Sudoku puzzles that you could trade for heroin. The libertarian-leaning locals who he knew would sometimes speak about it, always with an evangelical fervor, as if trying to convert Doug to their religion. But it was mainly as an underworld tool for scam artists, drug traffickers, and child abusers that Doug understood it as. It wasn't anything he wanted to be a part of, and Doug resolved to try and ask Marcus about it. There was the sound of a door closing, then footsteps approaching. How's it going, Doug? Marcus emerged from the mass of vegetation and walked into the center of the garden. Oh, hey, Doug replied. I haven't figured out what's causing your colleagues' complaints yet. Everything looks fine. Better than fine. I did get a bit thrown by the other half of the units. I thought they were servers. You folks are running a lot of cryptocurrency miners. Yes, we are replied Marcus. But they run on a completely separate power source and connection. 
so it shouldn't interfere with our community Wi-Fi. I don't know much about cryptocurrency, replied Doug. But if those mining units are online, then maybe their connections are tuned too closely together. Are there some noise interfering from either side? Thing is, I've got to get going now, and I need some more time to understand the whole crypto mining thing better. I'll have to come back another day to look at it. Marcus nodded. That's great, Doug. So long as you've made a start. Like I said, they'll turn me limb from limb if it doesn't get fixed soon. Doug started packing up his laptop and tools. I'll try and come up early next week. Perfect, Doug. Really appreciated, replied Marcus. Will you be coming to the open day with Dora and Irene tomorrow? I'm not too sure how long the kids will last, but if the weather's okay, we'll come by. He lugged his bags over his shoulders. They walked through the rows of blinking servers. They stepped back out into the rain and headed toward the gate. Doug felt the cameras watching him walk through the emptiness. When they reached the parking lot, Marcus pulled out an envelope and handed it to Doug. It contained a small stack of $100 bills. The retainer and a little extra, said Marcus. Thanks, replied Doug, stuffing the envelope in his jacket pocket. Just a question. I'm not going to go around telling people about your crypto miners. But is that how you're funding all of this? Marcus smiled. I understand why you're curious, Doug, but no, not really. It's part of a community outreach project we're developing. Well, I'm not sure how people on the island will take it, replied Doug. If they find out you're making cryptocurrency up here, they'll start to think you're drug traffickers, or maybe worse. Education is an issue. Marcus replied. But we've always found that when people are exposed to impartial, well-informed knowledge about technology like this, it's surprising how switched on and open-minded they are. Do you mean like having a town hall about cryptocurrency? Doug asked. It's been our experience that the best teacher is direct engagement with the product, Marcus explained. What you saw in the technology thing is the first phase of a digital currency for Sternum. It's something you can only use here on the island. We like to think of it as a kind of sovereign wealth for local citizens. It's still experimental, but we're rolling the beta version out now. I'll send you a link to the app. Plus, Marcus winked at Doug, I'll add some sternum coin to your account to get you started. Apocalypse Rock is written and read by me, Nate Bitsinski. For more, go to apocalypserock.xyz. Please rate and review this story wherever you might have found it, and share with any friends who you think will like it. Thanks for listening.